may be seated. Let's let our Awana leaders come and they can present their Awana awards tonight. Tonight we have awards for Michaela Cloud, Amanda Hickerson, and Savannah Gaffin. Good job. We have two Sparks Awards tonight. The first one's going to Courtney Kennedy. Courtney's earning a green jewel for learning the Awana theme song and Psalm 96.2. Brandon Sutton's earned two green jewels. He learned two verses, our Be Kind rules, the Awana theme song, and a chart for being helpful at home. He's going to say Psalm I don't think we've got anything to follow that. Uh, we've got three gentlemen here with me. We're the pioneers, fifth and uh, sixth grade boys. First off, we've got Jonathan Berry. He's receiving two gold stars for completing Bible drills two and three. Uh, that consists of uh, some uh, learning and reciting or reviewing 32 verses, uh, 61 definitions, 56 questions throughout the Mark chapters 3 through 9, and the books of the Old and New Testament. So he's done a great job there, as well as completed an activity in the environment section of the handbook, which earns him a bronze star for environment and health. And uh, Charlie also is receiving uh, the same two gold stars for Bible Drills 2 and 3, which uh, again is a, a, a great deal of he also has completed all four of his mission sections, and uh, which uh, consists of an acti activities in missions, patriotism, environment, health, and services. He ha only has one section, uh, a couple of sections, and he will have his complete handbook, handbook completed for this year. Excellent job, Charles. 
Mr. Heath Domer, who has completed uh, Bible Drill 2, which itself is 16 verses, 35 definitions, 20, 24 questions in the book of Mark, uh, and is also receiving two bronze stars for completing activity sections uh, for patriotism, environment, and health. Congratulations. I w I'd like to mention just three other names of, of kids that are not here. Uh, Kenny Arbuckle received a gold star for completing a section, Stephen Gaffin also. And uh, most often when we have the kids here, there are you know, children that are involved in the church. But uh, Chris, uh, Chris Jackson, one of, the, one, of the, one of the boys that rides the bus, he has also completed his, he's been just a couple of weeks and he's completed his beacon and has earned the right to wear his uniform. So I want to continue to recognize the effort for all the boys and girls. Thank you. Just I uh, wanted to give you a quick update on the Awana ministry. See each week the uh, leaders that come up here and are giving out awards, and these are just to a small amount that just happened to be here tonight. There are so many other clubbers that work very hard, and a lot of those come on the vans. And I wanted to let you know that we are currently running uh, now. In the past few weeks, we've started running three vans. We are having to rent the third van. The church owns two vans. We're renting the third van, and uh, we're currently paying for that and ourselves. I just want, I'm not standing up here asking for money, but I just wanted to give you the opportunity if you felt like that you would like to uh, help us with that for the, uh, for the rest of this Awana, which I think we have six more club nights. Um, that is costing us $60 a week uh, to rent the 15 passenger van. If you'd like to help with that, be a part of this ministry, reaching out I honestly believe, people, that if we uh, went and rented a fourth van and had drivers for it, uh, that we could fill it up quickly because we've already filled up this third van just driving through our community. And so this is our opportunity to reach out into our community. And I just wanted to let you aware of that because God is good. And uh, he, is, he is working in the Iwana ministry. You see a very small amount of the clubbers that work very, very hard excited about that. Thank you. Slater Usher has come forward to receive her offering, and let me say it's a joy to have those that are visiting with us tonight. Good to have some folk that are back tonight. These folks, good to have you. The gentleman with Mike, good to have you back tonight. I saw you here this morning and hadn't had a chance to meet you yet, but glad that you're here. Uh, Dr. G, Mrs. G, good to have you back in the services and others. We appreciate all of you being here tonight. Let's pray. Father, bless the offering now. Honor the Lord Jesus through our giving. In Jesus' name, amen.
everyone standing. As the choir's coming down, this is your opportunity. Everyone just get out, run around everywhere, upstairs and wings everywhere. Shake hands. Don't wait on anyone to come to you. Show yourself to be friendly tonight. A lot of visitors. Let's get to it. Cards 
One of the blessings that I have as I go from place to place is the joy of the people that I meet and the different ones uh, that the Lord allows my paths to cross. It's been about a year ago, year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, uh, that I, about two years ago, I was preaching at Roach's Cove, Roach's Cove down in uh, Alabama where Brother David Smith was a pastor and the Higginbotham was there, the family was there all week and they were a real blessing, and then I had the privilege of being with them Thursday night. I was down in Pisgah, Alabama, just back this side of Pisgah, Alabama, preaching Thursday night at camp meeting, and they were there. And they were with us last year, about a year ago, and were such a blessing to us. And we're glad they're back tonight. I want them to come. You welcomed them to the service. It's always a joy to have them. They work with the Indians in Oklahoma. What a blessing it is to have the Higginbotham family back. Come out here. Well, it's good to be back in Chattanooga, but it's better to be here in this church. Amen. Amen. We enjoyed being here last, I think it was last August, I guess, when we were here. And we enjoyed being here, and we talked about it a lot and told the Indian folk about this church. Of course, a lot of them don't know where Chattanooga is. Out in Oklahoma, I mean, you know, they live out in the sticks out there. They don't. Uh, but uh, anyway, it's a joy to be here. We have an extra room with us this year, our daughter Teresa. Some of you were praying for her last year. She's with us this time, and we thank the Lord for that. She'll be singing a song in a minute or two. And just want to thank the Lord tonight. His goodness. He is good. I'll tell you what, folks. I drove up here last year, and I just sensed the presence of the Lord the excitement and it's here again this time and boy and the choir was singing and the men started off good tonight with a good song and I was sitting over there and I'll tell you what I was about to get undignified over there. amen now you can do that in country church enough folk do it in town churches you know but uh, anyway I really enjoyed the singing tonight I love the excitement that I sense here I believe the Lord does too. I believe that's really He frequents this place. Amen. Amen. We did this, I believe, last time we was here, but I just felt like God had us do it again tonight. All of you know it. You've heard it because the, the Rollins recorded it, but it's a good old song. God saves sinners. Amen. The drunk on the street, the rich in the palaces, the poor and unlearned, and the men of degree, they all have a soul in need of salvation. And they all have to come by 
Calvary. I am so glad God saves old sinners. I'm thrilled and amazed how he sets them free. But the biggest surprise in redeeming old sinners is that he would say an old sinner like me. Amen. Well, I'm glad I'm saved. Amen. Amen. Was I so bad that I needed forgiveness? Was I so wrong I had to be redeemed? Well, I wasn't a thief, yet I lived in sin's prison. So I was as lost as a sinner could be. I am so glad God saves old sinners. I'm thrilled and amazed how he sets them free. But the biggest surprise in redeeming old sinners is that he would save an old sinner. Daniel will come tonight, and he's going to do a song for you. Most of you know from last year he's a bluegrasser. While they're getting ready, just let me tell you this. We just about two or three weeks ago got back from old Mexico, and there's a, some Mexicans down there that's, well, they're mixed, and some of them full blood with Sholi Indian. And the Lord let us go down there about, I guess, well, about eight years ago, nine years ago. And the Lord started a little work there and let us get in on it. And I don't tell folk I started because I didn't. He did. But he let me get in on it and my family on the start of it. And I went down and preached a meeting. And a children's home where my sister has been down there. My brother-in-law was there. And he went on to be the Lord uh, just shortly before we went down there nine years ago. But uh, my sister's been down there about 26, 27 years, somewhere along that line with the children's home. And we went down and preached a meeting there in the children's home. They invited uh, people from the ranch there in different places, and people began to come out, and we had good crowds every night. The Roman Catholic priest, he fought us every night, rung the bell trying to keep everybody from coming out. But I tell you what, I got news for that bird. 
His bell don't ring as loud as God's does. God rings your bell, honey. You know he's been to town. Amen. But God sent the people out, and we had to come out. Shirley's dad died and went back in. And to make a long story short, we preached another short meeting, and we baptized 23 people and started the work there in, uh, in, in there in Mexico. It's a little place called Los Pasitos. It's between Guadalajara and, and uh, Ameca. If you want to look on the map, see where that is. It's west of Guadalajara. But anyway, we were back down at this time to preach another meeting. And, you know, Brother Ken, it's getting like America. Every time we go down now, we see less and less people saved. I don't, that's happening across America in places. I believe our country's turned their back on the Lord for the most part. But anyway, God saved some more this trip. But I wanted to tell you this, because you're part of our ministry, and we praise the Lord for you and your prayer support and support monetarily speaking. But we went this time, and one of the great things that's happened this time, besides seeing folks saved, is that this little church that the Lord started there, uh, when we went down several years back now, there was two other churches in that in that same little town, little Baptist churches. And they have fall and fuss. Yeah, they're independent. They fall and fuss down for years. And, and the pastor that we left with a little work there, he's a, he was a single man and he's not coming around anymore. And then the other church, one of the, one of the preachers that they had pastoring them, he's got where he stays drunk most of the time. And the other little group hadn't had anybody in a long time. But this time we've seen the three groups come together and support this meeting. And their desire was when they left and they talked with me about it and they wanted me to stay. And I don't speak Spanish and my interpreter couldn't stay either. He's a, a brother, a preacher friend of mine that started a, uh, college down there uh, several years back, 20, 23, 24 years ago for national pastors. And he comes out and interprets for me. But he couldn't stay and I couldn't stay. But they want to organize. They're talking about organizing now into one group. And they're starting a Bible study. Now, right now, he's able to come out with them, this, this man is, on Sunday morning. And he's teaching. And then his wife, who's a native of Mexico, she comes out and teaches the kids. They have a wana there. And it's really working in old Mexico. I was lit, I mean, I was really surprised that the scriptures that in a month's time that those little Mexican kids have learned and how they love to sing. And boy, they sing out. And I thank the Lord for all of that because I see something in the making there. God doing something great in that part of Mexico right now. And I just wanted to tell you that tonight. I could, don't have time to tell you everything's happened since we saw you last. But I thought you might be interested in knowing what God did on that trip down there. And you were part of that, and I thank the Lord for that. Amen. Amen. They want me to come back yet this year, and I don't know where I'll get to go or not, but I do try, I'm going to try to get in in February, January, February next year if I can. And I want to, my sister's still down in Mexico, and so I kind of keep tabs on things through her. So you pray. Now, this is what I want you to pray for tonight. I appreciate you praying for the Higginbotters. And we need it. But the thing about it is this. The people that we go to need prayer. 
So I ask you to pray for those folks in Mexico that God will give them a Spanish-speaking pastor that will love them. And folk, be honest with them. We've got so many preachers anymore, and, 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 and it saddens my heart to say this, but a lot of those Mexican preachers, like a lot of our Indian preachers in America, have been taught by white preachers, but they've been taught wrong in some areas. And some of them got a bad, hateful spirit about them. And we don't need that in God's Word. I mean, hallelujah to God. Lord Jesus wasn't hateful. I mean, he loved us. And, I mean, loving is only loving to the end. Amen. Thank the Lord. And so I want you to pray with the Higginbottom that God will give them a pastor that I mean, I mean talking about that he puts there. Not Mama Paul called um, Papa sent. And I'm not talking about somebody just got to have a place to preach, wants to go out there to have a place to preach. I'm talking somebody that really love them and preach this old book to them. Of course, they don't preach King James there. They can't read English, but I mean, you know what I mean. But they uh, preach to them the truth of God's Word so they can grow. They need to grow in the Word of the Lord. So if you all pray with us about that, we'd really appreciate that. Amen. Lady Daniel's going to do a song. One morning in Jerusalem about the break of dawn A great trial was in session, they were trying to bless the Lord They scorned him and they mocked him, they made him carry the cross On top of Calvary's mountain, they crucified our Lord Crying, Father, it is finished, he bowed his head and died. The world's left in darkness, the graves were open wide. An earthquake shook Jerusalem, the dead walked into town. The multitude was frightened, God's warmth came pouring down. Teresa, come in. We're going we're gonna to try to hurry and get through what I feel like the Lord wants us to do. But we'll, Our daughter, Teresa, this is Daniel's mommy. 
And it's a joy to have her with us. She's been with us several months now. And keep praying for her. Satan's fought her, I guess, just about every way a person can be fought. But I thank the Lord tonight that she's with us and she's here in church tonight. Folk, I'll tell you what. I told somebody the other day, I don't think I'd want to be young again. I wouldn't mind feel, being feel young, but I don't want to be young. Young people's got a lot facing them today that I didn't have when I was growing up. Stealing watermelon was a big event when I was growing up. And the only dope we knew about was the old boy that lived down on the street corner down from us. They said he was kind of dopey. That's all we knew about. Boy, these young people got, a, I mean, a hard road to hold today. And I thank you for praying for my daughter tonight. Amen. And I want her to sing this song for you tonight.
where would I be had God not brought me gently to this place? I'm here to say I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. When I stood condemned to death, Christ took my place. And now I grow and breathe in freedom with each breath of life I take. Unloved and forgiven, I'm back with a living, and I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Amen. Says she's back with the living. I thank the Lord. She told me the other night again. She said, every time, Daddy, I stand to sing, she says, Satan, just a warrant on my mind. Folks, that's where the battle is today, in the mind. But I'd like to remind him what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, we have the mind of Christ. And that overrules anything that he wants to do. Amen. And I want you to pray. She'll just get stronger and stronger. Amen. Brother, we have time for two songs. Okay. We sung this. We may have sung this last time. Folk, I don't keep a record account of what we sing where. It don't make me any difference. It's just whatever the Lord wants, what makes the difference to me. But there may be somebody here tonight, somebody who's saved, you're going through a real trial, a real battle. And I find everywhere I go, God's people are discouraged, disappointed, disillusioned. And I like for Shirley to sing as helper because before God ever created you and I, before we ever put the moon and the stars out there, he had you and I on his heart and mind. He knew exactly what you'd be experiencing tonight. He can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. And wherever he chooses for us to walk, he's already walked there. And he... In the beginning of time, he was the into existence he spoke the heavenly blue and with one mighty swoop of his hand he threw out the stars he knew where they'd so if you think you're just drifting along, well, I have. 
And if he holds a sparrow in flight, he'll hold you too. Oh, consider the lilies of the field, how much more he loves you. In the beginning of time, you were on his mind when he hung the moon. Now you may feel like the world weighs hard on your shoulders. And even your closest friend in life is pulling away. Though you have tried so hard oh, and listen. lost, there is still hope. Yeah, Look to the cross. Yes, there you will see yes. just how much oh, the Savior really loves you today. And if he hung the moon, I know he will help you. And if he holds a sparrow in flight, he'll hold you too. Oh, consider the lilies of the field, how much more he loves you. In the beginning, You were on his mind when he hung the moon. Now you may feel like the world weighs hard on your shoulders. I felt that way a few times. And even your closest yes. friend in life is pulling yes, away oh, listen. though you have tried so hard and lost there is still hope yeah, to the cross there you can see yes. just how much Savior really loves you today. And if he hung the moon, I know he will help you. And if he holds a spell, 
You were on his mind when he hung the Same. 
that tonight say amen i appreciate the higginbotham family you know what makes good singing it's the spirit of the lord and the anointing of the lord they not only have a wonderful melody but they have a wonderful spirit and that's what makes the difference and that's what touches the hearts of people i appreciate it daniel you did good man you look good tonight i told him the other night down at uh church I was at on Thursday night, I said, Daniel, he had a vest on and everything. I said, Daniel, you must be according. He said, some of us have it and others don't. Amen. <laughs> That's good. I love Daniel. Can't he play that guitar? My mind can't keep up with that. He picks that thing so fast, I can't even follow him. When he gets done, I'm just now catching up with him. That, uh, that's a blessing. I appreciate families that serve the Lord. Amen. Joshua chapter 11, if you would please, for just a few moments tonight. The book of Joshua chapter 11, and while you're finding your place, Tommy, Mary Lynn, good to see you tonight. Missed you there when you first came in, but good to have you in the service tonight. Tommy and Mary Lynn Pryor, always a blessing to see them. Let's stand as we honor the reading of His Word. As you know, for several weeks, Two, three months, we have been making our way through the book of Joshua, putting emphasis upon the victorious Christian life, trying to understand what it is to live in victory, what it is not, what it is. Joshua 11 and Joshua 12, we're going to put these two together tonight and just kind of reach in there and pull out a thought and a thought here and a thought there. I've listened to a lot of preaching on Joshua the past few months and read a lot of sermons on Joshua, and I've found that most of them, when they come to Joshua 11 and Joshua 12, they just kind of jump over it, jump over to chapter 13 and, and get over there and deal with Caleb. But uh, I want us to look at these two chapters, and I know they're kind of a 
summary to everything that's been going on, a conclusion to Joshua's military campaigns and summarizing it all up. But I don't want to just jump over it because it is just a list of names or whatever. I want us to reach in there and pull out some things tonight that I believe will speak to our hearts about total victory. Again, throughout the book of Joshua, we have been emphasizing uh, that the book illustrates for us what it means for a believer to live in victory, that God intends for us to live a victorious Christian life, not a sinless life, but a victorious life. And when we come to Joshua 11, uh, we get the thought of total victory. Let me look, look, show you one verse of Scripture. We'll build our thoughts around it from this one verse, Joshua 11, 23. Look at Joshua chapter 11, verse 23. Look at this statement. So Joshua took the whole land. Joshua took the whole land according to all that the Lord said unto Moses. Joshua and Joshua gave it for an inheritance unto Israel according to their divisions by their tribes. And the land rested from war. But look at the first part of verse 23 again. The Bible said, so Joshua took the whole land. For the past 10 chapters, we've been traveling with Joshua, fighting battle after battle after battle, conquering this city, conquering this territory. Now it's all summarized in this one statement. And Joshua took the whole land. Thank you, may be seated. Let's think tonight about total victory. Total victory. Being victorious in our entire Christian life. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, what a blessing it's already been to have been in the service. Thank you, Lord, for every song that has been sung, for every word that has been shared, for every victory, Lord, that we have heard about tonight. We thank you for it. We thank you now for the Word of God. We ask you, Lord, that you might open our hearts to be receptive from the Word of God, receptive to the Word of God. I pray that you would speak to us. Lord, I know it is your desire that we live a victorious life. And Lord, I know it's your desire that we be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ and day by day overcoming the world, the flesh, and the devil. So Father, help us as we continue our way through Joshua that we might learn more about the matter of being victorious. So give us a word tonight that will strengthen us. Give us a word that will help us, not just tonight, but tomorrow and the next day and throughout the week. So we'll thank you now for your goodness and your grace to us. For it is in Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake we ask these things. Amen. Again, as I have already stated, the emphasis in the book of Joshua has to do with victory. Coming into that which is our right as a believer. It is learning to live victorious in every situation of life. It's not, again, as I said a moment ago, being sinless. But it's a matter of learning how to overcome. It's a matter of learning how to be victorious in every area of our life. Even when we fail, such as we have seen Joshua and the children of Israel in a moment of failure, they bounced back from their failure. They overcame their failure, and they continued living a victorious life. That's what it's all about. Joshua chapter 11 and Joshua tw chapter 12 gives us the conclusion of the battles of Joshua. 
Chapter 12 really gives a summary of Joshua's battles and the kings that he conquered. As you look at the book of Joshua, you'll find that this was Joshua's military strategy. He began with the plans of dividing the land completely down the middle, dividing the north from the south, so that it was not a matter of coming in and fighting all the kings, but dividing it down the middle so he could deal with the north and then later deal with the south. We notice this as we have moved our way, made our way through the book of Joshua. We saw the central campaign in Joshua chapter 6, Joshua 7, and Joshua chapter 8. And then in Joshua chapter 9 through chapter 10, we saw the northern campaign. After cutting and dividing the country in two, then he begins to fight in the north, and he begins to conquer the kings in the north and take the territory there. Now in chapter 11, verses 1 through 15, he moves to the south. And we now find him conquering the southern part. And you find the conclusions of his battles. In chapter 11, verse 16, through chapter 12, in verse 24, you have a review of their victories and the kings that were conquered. But I, to me, all of these, all these campaigns and all of this fighting and all of these battles are summed up in the one verse I read a moment ago, and that's in chapter 11, verse 23, where the Bible said that Joshua took the whole land. Now put the emphasis upon the whole land. There is the central campaign. There is the northern campaign. There is the southern campaign. And the Bible tells us that Joshua was victorious in the whole land, that he took and conquered the whole land. He was victorious in the central area. He was victorious in the north area. He was victorious in the south area. In other words, when the Bible said that he took the whole land, it is simply stating there was no area that was left unconquered. There was no king that was left on his throne. But Joshua took the whole land. He conquered the whole area. He defeated all the kings. May I call it total victory. Total victory. The whole land. Now listen to me tonight. Are you with me now? Say amen. God wants the believer to live a victorious life. That's what we've been saying for Sunday night after Sunday night after Sunday night. That God wants the believer to live a victorious, triumphant Christian life. And God wants us to live in total victory. Now you say, Brother Ken, what do you mean by total victory? When I speak of total victory, I am saying that there is no area in our life that is not to be conquered. There is no king that is to be left on the throne of our heart except the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That every king in our life, whatever that king may be, that king must be dethroned. And God must be the one that is on the throne. We must conquer all the territory. We must conquer every area of our life. We must conquer every king in our life. You see, friend, it's not enough to be victorious in one area and weak in another area. There may be something in your life tonight something that bothers you that maybe would not bother me and something that bothers me maybe would not bother you. And on the other hand, I may be strong in one area and weak in another. You may be weak in my strong area, but strong in my weak area. But here's the point I want to make. It's not enough to be strong in one area and weak in the other. No, there's got to be total victory in our life if we are to live a victorious Christian life. 
We must conquer every area. We must be victorious in every area of our life. We cannot let one king sit on the throne of our life. It's not supposed to be there. We can't let one inch of territory go unconquered. We can't let one part of the land go unconquered. It all must be conquered. Every area of my life, the weak areas, the north, the south, we might say, I must learn how to conquer every one of them. Because if I only conquer the north and I let the south go, you mark it down, the south will rise up somewhere and bring me down. If I conquer the south and I let the north go, then somewhere the north is going to rise up and bring me down. They're all kings and they want to rule and they want to reign in our lives. And so if we don't have total victory, if we don't overcome in every area of our life and master every situation in our life, then the one situation we let go or the one area that we leave unconquered or the one king that we do not dethrone, that will be our downfall down the road. So we've got to live in total victory. Are you listening to me? We've got to be one that is strong, not weak. We've got to learn how to be a victor in the whole land and not a victim in one area. We must learn how to master, not be mastered. The whole land, total victory, is God's design and God's plan for our life as a believer. But here's the question. How does a believer live in total victory? I want you to look at Joshua 11, and I'm going to point out three simple little things that you find in the chapter. And these are what I call the principles of total victory. And the truth of the matter is, what I'm going to look at tonight is nothing new. We've seen them all the way through the book of Joshua. Every time we saw a battle, we saw these principles. Every time we saw them win a war and dethrone a king and conquer an ancient territory, we have seen these principles. They, we've seen them time and time again. They don't change. They're emphasized throughout the book, and I once again emphasize them to you tonight. Let's give you three simple things. Number one, I want you to think with me about the laws of total victory. The laws of total victory. And when I talk about laws... I'm talking about what is required if a believer is to be an overcomer in life. I'm talking about that which is required if we're going to conquer those weak areas of life. If we're going to overcome in our life as a believer. What are those laws? I find two of them in chapter 11. The first one is this. The first law that I see of total victory is obedience to God. If you're going to live victorious, you're going to have to be obedient to God. Look at chapter 11 and notice verse 9. Chapter 11 and verse 9. Look what the scripture said. And Joshua did unto them as the Lord bade him. Or as the Lord instructed him. Or as the Lord commanded him. Joshua did as God told him to do. He was obedient. Look at chapter 11 verse 15. The Bible said as the Lord commanded Moses his servant. So did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. Now you find in chapter 11 a principle that you have found all through the book of Joshua. And that is one of the reasons Joshua was victorious was because he obeyed God. There is this matter of being obedient to the Lord. Now you want to win in life? Do you want to overcome in life? The truth of the matter is, are you listening to me? There is a battle that we fight every day of our life. I've said it this way before, I'll say it again. We are not on a playground. We are on a battleground. And we are fighting this world. 
and we are fighting our flesh and we are fighting the devil. And if this world, there's things about my flesh that this old world appeals to and this old world pulls at me just like it pulls at you, you say, oh, Brother Kent, I don't have any problem with the world. I'm never tempted by anything. Somebody needs to get a shovel. We need to dig a hole and bury you. You're dead and you'll be stinking on us before we know what's going on. Can I get an amen right there? The truth of the matter is, there is a system out there that pulls at us. And there is a system out there that seeks to draw us away from the God. From God. That's the world. And my old flesh, my old flesh, that old unconverted part of me, it still loves the things of this world. And so there's a battle going on. And the devil is fighting every day of our life. But how are we going to win against the world? And how are we going to be victorious with this old flesh? And how are we going to overcome when the devil fights? You start by being obedient to God. Obedient to God's Word. You see this Bible that I have in my hand tonight? This is more than a book to admire. This is a book to apply. And if all you get on Sunday when you come here is an outline wrote down in the margin of the pages of your Bible, you've missed the whole purpose for our gathering tonight. You have come to hear God's Word. You have come to hear what God has to say and not just get an outline, but truth that you may put into your life, that you may be equipped to fight the world, the flesh, and the devil every day of your life. And it starts by being obedient to the Word of God. In other words, whatever this Bible tells you to do, that's what you're supposed to do. You don't vote on what the Bible said. The Bible, this is God's Word. And it is not a suggestion, it is a command. You'll know why we fail and why we fall. Almost every week we hear about somebody that has fallen and somebody that has fell in this. Just this morning I heard about another preacher that had fallen. Why does this happen? I'll tell you why. Because we don't obey the Word of God. The Bible is not up for voter discussion. It's God's rules for our life and laws to live by. Do what the Bible said. It tells you to do something, do it. If it tells you not to do something, don't do it. Amen? You've got to be obedient to the Word of God. Obedient to the will of God. Submitting to God. Whatever He wants for your life, whatever His call is for your life, whatever He tells you to do, you're submissive to it. Not arguing with God. Obeying the Word of God. Now, you, know how, you want to know how Joshua was victorious? He did what God told him to do. He obeyed God, obedience is a key. But look at something else in the chapter. You not only see there is the law of obedience to God, but there is the law of reliance on God. Look at chapter 11, verse 6. Chapter 11 and verse 6, notice what the Bible said. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time will I deliver them up all slain before Israel, and thou shalt howl their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Now here is once again God assuring Joshua. All through the book of Joshua, we have found them coming to a place of battle. And what does God do? He gives them a promise. And what does Joshua do? He relies upon the promise that God gives him. Now how are you going to overcome how are you going to be victorious? Do you have a battle in your life? Is there an area in your life you're having trouble with? Is there an area, a territory there that that's your battleground? 
Is there something that this old world appeals to you with in a very strong way? Is there something in your flesh that it longs for more than something else? Is there an area there that is your nemesis? How do you overcome it? I tell you, you begin by being obedient to God and second of all, by being reliant on God. That is taking God in His Word, resting in the promises of God, relying on the promises of God. The whole campaign has been one of trusting God. You know what happens when we fail to trust the Lord? When we fail to rely upon the promises of God? We fear obeying God. God calls and we say, well, I don't know if I can do that or not. You know why you don't feel like you can do it? It's because you won't trust God. The whole thing is in the hands of God. You do what God says regardless, and you leave the outcome up to Him. But you trust God. You'll never move forward if you have fear in your heart. If you won't take God at His word, you'll never get anywhere. This church here is a living example of that. I've said it before. We have never got anywhere we have got because we were able to get there. We got where we got because we one day heard the voice of God. And we obeyed God and didn't know how we could do it, but we did it because God said do it. And I found when we obeyed Him, we never had any problem doing what we feared doing to begin with. Just take God at His word. Here's the matter of these laws. Here are these requirements. The law of being obedient to God and the law of being reliant upon God. But look at something else in the chapter. You not only have the laws of total victory, but I want to put emphasis tonight on the Lord of total victory. The Lord of total victory. Look at chapter 11 and verse 6. The Bible said, And the Lord said unto Joshua. Look at chapter 11 and verse 8. And the Lord delivered them into the hands of Israel who smote them. How did they win their battles? Now there were certain laws they had to follow. They had to obey God, and they had to trust God. But you know who really gave them the victory? You know who really enabled them to be victorious? It was the Lord. He was their source of victory. And I want to remind you tonight that God is our source of victory. Jot these two things down. Write them down. First of all, victory is impossible without the Lord. Victory is impossible without the Lord. You begin the chapter there. You have a king by the name of Jabin, the king of Hazor. And he calls together every king he can get to get on their side. None of them like each other, but yet they are able to come together in this alliance there and this great alliance, and they formed a great and mighty army. For example, look at chapter 11 in verse 4. And they went out, they and all their hosts with them, much people. How many people? Even as the sand that is up on the seashore in multitude with horses and chariots, very many. They got all these kings to come together, got all their armies, and they formed this huge alliance. And there's so many there that they're numbered as the sand of the sea. They are called a multitude. Now, would you not agree that Joshua and his little army, what army he had, that they were no match against an army that numbers as the sand of the sea, that he was no match against an army that was a multitude. But hasn't that been the whole story throughout the book of Joshua? Joshua couldn't have conquered Jericho in his own strength and ability. 
He couldn't have won one single battle in his own self. If it hadn't been for the Lord, he would have never won a battle or conquered the whole land. You see, if it had not been for God, it would have never been done. Listen tonight. Victory is impossible without the Lord. Are you listening to me tonight? You cannot overcome the world by yourself. You cannot overcome the world in yourself and in your own strength. So, oh, Brother Ken, I've got to get stronger. And we do have to grow. And we do have to get stronger. And I'm going to do better. And the devil got me down this time. But I'm going to do a whole lot better. And I'm going to do, I'm going to really pray more. And really study my Bible more. And the next time, I'm going to do a whole lot better in this matter. And we all try to do better. And we all try to win. But I want you to understand something. Everything, my old flesh, is just dirty, rotten, stinking flesh in the eyes of God. And in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And in myself, I do not have what it takes to say no to this world. And in myself, I don't have the ability to say no to my flesh. And in myself, I don't have the strength to say no to the devil. In myself, I am destined to failure. And in your own self, doing it your own way and trying your own way, you're just marking time. In your own self, you are destined to fall. But here's the second thing. Victory is impossible without him, but victory is ensured with him. I want you to know something. You can be a winner and you can be victorious. And you can't overcome the world. And you can't overcome the flesh. And you can't overcome the devil. There's someone in you that will enable you to win and enable you to do what you normally could not do and enable you to say no when you want to say yes and enable you to win rather than be defeated. Are you with me now? I'm talking about with the Lord. I love the story. I've told this before, but I want to hear it again and I'm going to tell it again. I remember reading a story years ago I love to read the books of A.J. or S.D. Gordon. And I love them. And as far as I know, I've got them all, and I love to read them. In fact, I was somewhere one time, and I told a story. came out of one of his books, and a fellow walked up to me after the service and, and said, I know uh, the uh, niece, Gordon. My heart is about to run out. You must put one of them 20-minute batteries in my microphone, didn't you? Amen. But I remember, she, he said, I know the niece. And he gave her a phone number and whatever. And I called her and talked to her. And she told me a lot of things about S.D. Gordon and sent me pictures and all kinds of different things. But I, I remember reading a story telling about going to a fair or something. And he saw in the distance this man. And in the distance, it looked like the man was pumping a well. He saw the man going up and down with the handle going up and down the handle, going up and down with the handle. And he stood there and watched him. He just kept going on in his pace. He never broke his pace. So consistently just kept pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping and pumping. And so he started walking in the direction of what he thought was a man. But as he got there, he began to realize it wasn't a man pumping a well, but it was actually an artesian well and a wooden figure. Instead of a man pumping the well, it was a well pumping the man. And I read that story and I thought about, that's our problem. We're pumping and pumping and pumping. 
And we're pumping and pumping and pumping. And folks are saying, oh, Brother Ken, I'm burnt out. You pumped yourself to death. Oh, Brother Ken, I'm just pumping and pumping. Listen, the key to living a victorious life is not you pumping the daylights out of yourself. It is Christ in you that's doing the pumping. It's Christ our strength. It is Christ our life. It is Christ our source. It is Christ our righteousness. It is Him equipping us and enabling us to be victorious. Again, I can't say no to this world, but when He is my source, I have the strength to say no. And when this old world appeals to me and this old world tempts me and pulls at my flesh, if I fight it along, I will fall. But if I obey Him and rely on Him and trust in Him, I will be victorious. Amen? It is the Lord of total victory. But one final thing I point out in the chapter. Not only the laws of total victory, obedience to God, reliance on God, the Lord of total victory. But look at chapter 11 in one simple little verse, verse 18, the length of total victory. This is what he said. Look at chapter 11, verse 18. And Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. I want you to understand something. Total victory didn't happen overnight. They didn't cross the Jordan River and come in and in a week's time win the battles and conquer the land, take the whole land. Total victory was a prolonged matter. And total victory was a progressive matter. It took a long time to conquer the central part. It took a long time to conquer the northern part. It took a long time to conquer the southern part. To put them all together, it took a long time to take the whole land. Jot these two things down. I want you to realize that you've got to expect an extended warfare in your life. You win a battle in one area. Don't sit down and think the battles are over. You grow in one area. That which has been your nemesis, your besetting sin, maybe you grow, and by the help of the grace of God, you become a conqueror in that area. Don't rest on your laurels, because somewhere else you're going to have another battle you fight with. You see, it's really, I could put it this way, it's a lifelong battle. You say, oh, I was, when I first started out, so many things bothered me, but... I can't wait till I grow in the Lord and things won't bother me anymore. Here's the amazing thing. The older I get in, in, in life and the older I get in the Lord, the more the battles multiply. They never get easier. There's just more battles to fight the older I get. It's a lifelong battle. And General Douglas MacArthur stood before the West Point graduating class. He quoted Plato the fact that only the dead have seen the end of war. And the only time that don't, the warfare will only end when we end our race and we go home. Expect an extended warfare, but expect an extensive warfare. So you notice in verse 18, he made war a long time with all these kings. It wasn't just Jericho. There was other battles to fight. Not just one king but several kings. Not just one part of the country, but the whole country. It was not only extended warfare a long time, 
but an extensive warfare. It was with every king. Here's your battle. Here's your war. That is, you're going to fight every king in your life. Not one king is going to sit on the throne that should not be there. Not one inch of territory is going to be left unconquered. You're going to fight every king. You're going to deal with your lust. You're going to deal with your mind. You're going to deal with your pride. You're going to deal with your jealousy. You're going to deal with it all. Every king. You're going to see to it somewhere in your life with the help and the grace of God. That king is dethroned and that territory is conquered for God. It is every king. Every inch of territory. Listen, that's what total victory is. And that's what we must have. And God wants nothing less. Amen? Stand our feet, please.